For our scripture reading, we turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2, begin at verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the fell filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they're not afraid to speak evil of dignities, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that counted pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are in blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, 
which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in air. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. For if, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are ag again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So far, we read from the Holy Scriptures on this Sabbath morning. And what we've read in all of Scripture are the bases, the teaching of our Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 52. There we read, which is the sixth petition? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is, since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment. And besides this, since our mortal enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, Cease not to assault us. Do thou therefore preserve and strengthen us by the power of thy Holy Spirit that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare, but constantly and strenuously may resist our foes till at last we obtain a complete victory. How dost thou conclude thy prayer? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is, all these we ask of thee, because thou, being our king and, almight and almighty, art willing and able to give us all good. And all this we pray for, that thereby not we, but thy holy name may be glorified forever. What doth the word 
Amen signifies. Amen signifies it shall truly and certainly be. For my prayer is more assuredly heard of God than I feel in my heart that I desire these things of him. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, do these enemies, the enemies that are referred to in this Lord's Day, do these enemies continue to assault you? Are you conscious and do you think about the battle that's referred to here. Certainly as we look at the explanation of this petition, we're to consider how it's explained, keeping in mind the struggle that's referred to here and the fact that we really are engaged in this ongoing battle. And not only that we have enemies in assaulting us, but that it's ongoing. They don't cease to assault us. You're conscious of that battle at nighttime, that there are enemies. There are a multitude of enemies that come against us. Anywhere we go, that battle continues. During the nighttime, during the daytime. And do you confess that you're so weak? that you would not stand a moment in the battle. That's what we read. But we understand that as we read this, we are also to say, you know, that's, that's really true. That's really true that I'm going through that kind of a battle. And we grow more to see that as we mature. Even young children, even the young children here, and you young people, and you young adults are aware of the fact that there is this battle. One doesn't need to be that old before one is conscious of the fact that they're a sinner. And we hear our parents talking to us about our sin. And we find we have a desire to do things that we know we're not supposed to do. 
And there are things that we know we should do, and we find we don't really want to do them. It's a constant struggle for us, for you and for me, and we wouldn't stand. And then it's important not only that we see that, we confess that, but then also to whom do we look in that battle? Do we go to God? praying for strength to fight this battle. We certainly pray. We do go to God in prayer. We do pour out our heart to him. And as we pray, we do come to him conscious of this battle And we're to continue to look to him for the strength we need. Our Lord has taught us what we're to request. And as we've been going through and now come to the end of the Lord's Prayer, we've been considering how our Lord has been teaching us what we're to ask for. What do we need? We need our thoughts, our words, and our actions to be ordered to his glory. We need to be ruled by his word and spirit. We need to renounce our own will and without murmuring to submit to his. We look to him for our daily bread. We look to him for the forgiveness of sins. And in this last petition... We consider how we look to him for strength that we need in the ongoing warfare. And we come to him knowing he knows how to deliver us. As was said in in verse 9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. The temptations will continue in this life. The struggle is ongoing. We are comforted knowing that the one to whom we go knows how to deliver us and will hear our prayer and will grant us what we need for Christ's sake. We consider this Lord's Day under the theme, Our Lord Knowing How to Deliver Us. We consider, first of all, the ongoing assault that's referred to. Secondly, the firm trust. And thirdly, the the heard prayer. Our Lord Knowing How to (coughs) Deliver Us. That statement that our Lord knows how to deliver us is pointing to the fact that we need deliverance. It points to the fact that there really is this warfare that that is going on. There are all these temptations. 
When we talk on this Lord's Day, we frequently make a distinction between what's called a test and what is a temptation. God tests us or proves us. We read of that. The devil and our enemies tempt us. There's a difference between them. God does not tempt us. The scriptures make that clear. The holy God does not tempt us to do what's evil. God does test us. God does prove us. There's plenty of passages that speak of that. Like this one. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee. To prove thee. To know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. That was Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. And with regard to false prophets, which are referred to in the chapter we just read, in Deuteronomy 13, verse 3, God says, Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. He proveth you. He tests you. We have trials. But God does not tempt us. Now we often talk about the difference in a number of points of view. One difference is this. The one who tries, our God who tries us or who tests us, loves us. Our enemies who tempt us hate us. So that's a clear difference. Our Heavenly Father is the one who tests us, who proves us. He loves us. Our enemies, out of hatred, they tempt us. Another difference is that the God who tries us, he always speaks the truth. He teaches us the truth. He tells us what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. He speaks to us the word of his promise. He's faithful. The enemies will speak what is a lie. Our enemies who tempt us, what they say is a lie. The second Peter speaks of it too. They, through covetous shall they with feigned words, feigned or fabricated words. They, they speak what's false. 
Another difference is that God, as he tries us, has a positive purpose. He loves us. And he, we go through trials that to bring out the work of God in us. You think of what happened to Abraham, who was called to offer up his son, Isaac. And we see how that served to manifest the work of God in Abraham. That he puts us through trials and he tells us, trust in him. And he does it out of love for us, for our good. Whereas our enemies have a negative purpose. And desire us to, to go in the direction of sin to our own destruction. Their purpose is negative. But there's a difference between a trial or a test and a, and a temptation. The enemies, false teachers are given here as an example of, the, of those enemies. They constantly tempt us. There are different characteristics of these false teachers that are referred to here. Like was mentioned, it says they speak feigned words or fabricated words. They don't speak the truth. Verse 3 also brings out that they're covetous. Through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Verse 10, you have the same idea. We're not going to look at this, but there is a lot of similarity between 2 Peter 2 and the book of Jude. Quite a bit of similarity between the two of them. So you can study them together. You see the similarity. You can go back and forth between the two of them and... and Grow in understanding as you look at the two of them together. One of the things that it mentions about them is that they're self-willed. Verse 10, presumptuous are they, self-willed. And they're not afraid to speak evil of those in positions of authority. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Those are some of the characteristics of these false prophets. We take note also what's said at the end of the verse, at the end of the chapter, rather. It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. And then gives the illustrations of the dog returning to its vomit and the sow after its wash returning to wallowing in the mire. It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. But when they hear and they receive instruction in it and then for them to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. 
what a grievous sin. And then you see the characteristics that describe these false teachers. These enemies tempt us. Now there's a variety of temptations when we, when you and I think of temptations, there's a variety of them and good for us to consider some of those. For example, one of them that all often comes up is the temptation to, for sexual, commit a sexual sin, fornication, adultery, and often what follows with it, lying. Of course, lying follows many violations of the commandments. Somebody violates a commandment and then they lie about it. So when we think of temptations, we recognize that we're to, our bodies and souls are temples of the Holy Spirit that are to be preserved pure and holy. All uncleanness is a curse of God. We live in the world where it's, it's, it's all over, constantly promoted. We go ahead and commit these various sexual sins. Well, I mean, the world would speak against forcing it upon someone else, but as long as people are in agreement, and they'll sing about that which they do outside of marriage, and there's divorce and remarriage. Many temptations. So when we say the ongoing battle, we think of those kind of temptations. There's also other temptations. There's the temptation to be angry, sinfully angry, and to seek revenge. One can over and over again have thoughts of anger, want to get back at someone. Something has happened, and they are so angry about it. That they constantly, in their anger, they're wanting to get back. That's a temptation. And we're warned against that. There's other temptations too. Seeking riches. Seeking the praise of men. And we set our heart on the things of this world we're constantly pursuing to be able to obtain more things, more pleasures. The danger of not really searching the scriptures as we ought and not really being, spending the time that we ought in, in, in that. But our mind is always on the pursuit of pleasures and earthly riches or the desiring the praise of men, the attention of men. Those are temptations. 
And there's other temptations too. Like to despair. To murmur, to complain, and to find fault with God. You know, you think of Job's wife saying, curse God and curse God and die. Well, there's temptations of that sort, too. Somebody thinking, well, I'd, maybe I, you know, why am I even living? There's temptation of one, you know, feeling what we refer to as feeling sorry for oneself and despairing. There's many temptations. And there's the temptation of pride. To have exalted views of ourselves. If we do something for somebody else, or we do something for which we're commended, say, you see how quickly we become proud about it. And how much we want to exalt ourselves above others in our thoughts, put others down, find ways to exalt ourselves. Many are the temptations. Now God comforts us, telling us that he provides us a way of escape. He assures us of that. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, he speaks of that. We're not to make excuses. We're not to say, you know, I can't, I can't resist. Oh, when we fall into a sin to say, well, I was trying to resist. We confess here, it is the case that we can't stand a moment. But we're to look to God in prayer. And then we are to strenuously and constantly resist. God has told us that he provides a way of escape. And we are to look to him, trust in him, and pray this prayer from the heart. You know, and that directs us as we get into the petition now and trusting in him, that directs us to the question of, you know, are you and I looking to God for this deliverance? Is that something that you are constantly praying for? Looking to God for? Now, you can't get away from the enemies in this life. There's nowhere to go. People that have tried to say, well, how about if God's people, you know, how, you know, this kind of live in isolation from other people or an individual that just lives apart from other people. Well, that's not, you're not going to get away from your foes that way. 
not from the threefold enemy. You and I will have our sinful nature wherever we go. And the devil and the demons. You know, our enemies constantly assault us wherever we go. There's no way to escape. We constantly need God's grace to fight. And this prayer is a petition looking to God for grace. What does the petition mean? Well, there's these two parts to this petition. There's the petition. There's the part that says, lead us not into temptation. And then there's the deliver us from evil. And we need to consider the meaning of both of those parts. It's that first part. One might wonder, what exactly does that mean? Because you said God doesn't tempt us. That is correct. He does not. But then why would we ask him not to lead us into temptation? Our confessions do actually give a good explanation of that. And that's brought out in, in the canons. The canons on the preservation of the saints is a section in our creeds that, spots, that speaks about this ongoing battle with our foes and how God preserves us. You can see why it's there. It's talking about the preservation of the saints. And then the question is, well, what about sin? Isn't it the case that sometimes God's people fall into sin? And the answer is yes, that sometimes that there's an ongoing struggle and sometimes God's people have fallen into grievous sins, but God preserves his people. They'll never perish. And that's, now, with regard to lead us into temptation, looking at the last part of Article 4, we've looked at the beginning part. Now, if you look at the last part, the last half of Article 4 of the fifth head, it brings up this idea about being led into temptation. It says, they must therefore be constant. We must be constant in watching and praying that we be not led into temptation. When these are neglected, we're not watching and praying when they're neglected. That's why I bring, that, you know, bring up, you know, are we praying as we ought? When these are neglected, they're not only liable to be drawn into great and heinous sins by Satan, the world, and the flesh, same mentioning of the same threefold enemy, but sometimes by the righteous permission of God actually fall into these evils. By the righteous permission of God. To teach us a lesson. when we're neglecting, watching, and praying. 
We don't want to learn that way. And that's what we're expressing when we say, lead us not into temptation. Now, Article 6 brings out that God does wholly withdraw his spirit from his own people, even in their melancholy faults. He doesn't wholly, entirely withdraw his spirit from us, even in our faults. He does preserve us. But we're conscious of God's sovereignty, and yet he controls and directs everything. And we don't want to be drawn into great and heinous sins by our threefold enemies. And so we pray, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. And now the, 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 the second part, we are not only asked not to be led into temptation, but we also ask to be delivered. Deliver us from evil. Now that can mean either, it's been pointed out that that could mean either evil or the evil one. Evil in the sense that, you know, we think of, you know, deliverance from sin, but also we're, we're requesting deliverance from the devil. I mean, that's also in the answer that's given, too. We mention our sinful flesh. We mention the devil and the world and how these enemies cease not to assault us. We're asking God for strength to fight against our spiritual foes. Deliver us that we may not be overcome. What are we requesting? We're requesting that we may not be overcome, but that we may receive the strength to resist. It's going to be strenuous. It's not going to be easy. But receive the strength constantly and strenuously to resist. Not go in the direction of fornication and lying. Not bearing a grudge. Seeking revenge. Not putting our heart on riches and or seeking the attention and the praise of men. Not despairing. We're asking God for the strength to resist. That's what we're looking to him for. Deliver us from evil. Now this petition follows the petition on forgiveness then. We ask him to forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins and to deliver us from evil. It's important to view those together. You can see, you know, somebody, you consider, for example, somebody that keeps walking in one of the sins that was mentioned and doesn't, is 
really intending to continue to. But they keep going to God in prayer and asking for forgiveness. And they do it again. They ask for forgiveness. They do it again. They ask for forgiveness. What about deliverance? What about requesting deliverance? If one is really from the heart requesting forgiveness, they're also requesting deliverance. They're looking for the grace strenuously and constantly to resist. They're not wanting to do it again. They're sorry for their sin. They want the strength to fight it. They want to do what's to the glory of God. So they ask God, forgive us and deliver us. Strengthen me to resist. So I don't, I don't want to do that again. And so those go together. The fifth and the sixth petition. I often talk about how you see an example here of justification and sanctification. People sometimes have a difficult time distinguishing those two. And we often say when you're talking about forgiveness of sins, you're talking about justification. And when you're talking about deliverance from evil and strenuously fighting this battle, you're talking about sanctification. And we're asking for both. We're looking to God for both. Watching and praying. Looking to God for the grace. We're to pray this with a good conscience. And we're not to desire then to walk, go into, walk right into, go in the direction where we know there's going to be temptations. You know, there's, when we say that we want to be delivered from evil, well, we know that the world is constantly tempting us, and there's going to be things that, there are going to be things that We see things that we hear, and then we turn away. You know, it can even even go into a mall. You can see something, and because it's so, it's huge, right up there on the wall. And then quickly, you see that you need to turn away. And we are to show that we don't want to have set before our eyes that which we ought not look at. We're to turn away. And when we know there are those that are tempting us, we're to desire not to be, in order to turn away from those that are constantly trying to get us to go in the wrong direction. We may witness to them and exhort them that they should turn from their sin. But when they make evident, they're, they're not listening to us, but they're going to continue to try to get us 
to go in the wrong direction. And we're to turn away. And we're to ask to God for the grace to fight and to turn away. We're to keep going to God's word and praying, watching and praying, meditating on the word, praying. Praying with confidence in the consciousness that God will hear us. He will hear us. As with the other petitions, when we bring this petition to God, we, we do so in the consciousness that he will hear us. He will grant us what we request for Christ's sake. That's brought out in that word, amen. Which, as it says here, means it shall truly and certainly be. That's what the word means. Now, when we say amen, we're making known on the one hand, when we pray that, we are expressing that we really desire, we really do desire what we're requesting. We're not just saying the words. Like with the sixth petition, it's not that we're saying we're saying the words, but we're fully intending to go back into the sin. So someone might say, you know, I pray the fifth and I follow it with the sixth, but they're still fully intending to go back to the sin. Well, we're to pray this, when we say amen, we're to pray this as those who say, we really do desire what we're requesting. We're praying this from the heart. And that we're praying in harmony with the will of God. We're requesting what he's taught us to request. We're also saying that our prayer is more assuredly heard of God than I feel in my heart that I desire these things of him. I do feel in my heart, and you and I confess this. We pray this prayer, and if someone says, now, do you feel in your heart that you desire what you requested? So it wasn't just words you said, but can you feel, you feel in your heart you desire this? And you'd say yes. Yet when we say amen, we're saying my prayer is more assuredly heart, heard of God than I feel that in my heart. More assuredly heard of God. It places a stress on the fact that when we pray this, God does hear us. He really does. And the one who hears our prayer knows how to deliver us. 
that when you pray to him for deliverance, he knows how to deliver you. That's who you're coming to. Deliver us from evil. Well, he knows. He knows how to deliver you and me from temptation. There's a specific reference to Christ who himself was tempted and that he knows There we read of that in the last verse of Hebrews 2. And you're familiar with this. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted, to come to our aid, to grant us what we need. He himself suffered being tempted. Your Lord Jesus himself was tempted. And he's able to succor you. He's able to deliver you. Your Lord knows how to deliver you. He works in us a sorrow for sin. God Throughout our life, we grow more to see our own sinfulness. And we grow to see how we're not going to stand a moment. So that we say this with understanding. And Christ works in us to pray this. We're to pray this. And God, Christ, by his spirit, works in us so that we do pray this. Even the examples of those that fell that are referred to, you know, in our creeds, when it makes a reference to David and it makes a reference to Peter and we see how they fell, we also see the work of Christ in them. You think of Christ looking at Peter. And how Christ later talked to Peter. Our Lord works in us. He speaks to us. He works in us so that we have a sorrow for our sin. He works in us to go to him. He assures us that he knows how to deliver us. And we go to him and we see he does strengthen us. That we not only say he will answer our prayers, but we also can look back in the past and say he has. See, I've prayed to him before. I'm praying to him now, but I've also prayed to him before. And I've asked him for the grace. I've asked him to strengthen me, and he has. It was still strenuous 
The battle is still strength. It still I must strenuously resist, but he does strengthen me. He hears my prayer. He grants me the grace. And one day, there will be the complete deliverance. You know, the examples that he gives, that God gives in this chapter of the flood and how Noah and his family are are delivered or of Lot and how he was delivered. Here he's in Sodom and how he was delivered. And we know that those direct us to think about the deliverance to come. The judgment to come and the deliverance to come and that one day there'll be the complete deliverance which we make reference to in this Lord's Day, the complete victory. So that when we think he knows how to deliver us, we also remember that complete victory. We will, at last, you will obtain, we will obtain, at last, the complete victory. Our Lord knows how to deliver us. And we pray this and we praise him. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We, we praise him. It's a doxology, a word of praise. When it says for, brings out that we're bringing our petitions to God. For his is the kingdom and the power. He's able and willing to give us all good. It's another place where we confess that in the Heidelberg. He's able and willing to give you all good. We're not to despair in this battle. We're to go to God who is able and who is willing to give you and me all good. And we pray this with a desire when we say thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory we're saying that we pray this with the desire that not we not our name not we but his holy name may be glorified forever and that brings us to that's just like the first petition hallowed be thy name But at the very end of the prayer and at the beginning of the prayer, we bring out that idea that our desire is the glory of the name of our God. Trust him. May you and may I trust him in the situations that you and I face today. Trust him. Go to him. Confess, recognize, confess that you and I can't stand not even a moment go to him keep going to him trusting in him watch pray pray with confidence the Lord will hear you he does hear us and he will grant us what we need and one day we will have the complete victory amen
Let us pray. O oh Lord, our God, our Father in heaven, we thank and praise thee, O oh Lord, our God. We are so thankful for the grace that thou dost give, and as this battle does continue, Lord, grant us the strength we need. We do confess we, we wouldn't stand, not even for a little while. But thou art the Almighty. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. And we look to thee, who art the Almighty God and also our faithful Father. Grant us and grant our children and grant our grandchildren this grace that together we might praise thy name. For Christ's sake, amen. <laughs> 